Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live, sort of, from EmoSocialClub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie. You're, you're doing all right there, I'm doing just guy? fine. Cut it out. Edit it out. Mm-hmm. Leave it in. <laughs> this is the Emo Social Club podcast, uh, podcast about music, news, rad authors, rad books. Yes. Rad music. We're, we're getting into the, the author game. A lot of people decide during COVID, guess what? I'm, I'm writing a book. Fuck reading the book. I am yeah. writing the whole ass book. I didn't write or read a book, but other people did. And we yeah. talked with them. Uh, this episode is with Jameson Ketchum, author of Name Dropping. Uh, a conversation about uh, a lot of the Christian metalcore scene, which I was really interested in because these are a lot of bands that I used to listen to, like Under Oath, Devil Wears Prada. Those are bands that I pretty into back in the day. So... This is a pretty fun conversation about those bands in that time period. I feel like we haven't like just as like a collaborative whole have discussed anything of like the Christian rock scene. Like we joke around about it and we all know that it is there in the distant background. But I think to like dive deeper into it, it's it's really interesting to see, especially because it is a little bit controversial, obviously, in like a scene of like people who are like against everything kind of normie mainstream <laughs> yeah. culture so it was r- really insightful honestly yeah that's coming up in just a moment before we get into that if you like this episode if you liked any of our episodes make sure that you are telling people that you like it tell a friend tell a vic villain tell an enemy tell a person that likes emo music that would probably be Your actually enemy yeah that would probably be your, your top audience member is somebody else who likes this genre of music. Some even if they're um gonna harass us and be upset with it, um that's fine. That means that they listen and they can be upset while they listen and stew in our conversation. It's still a listener. Yeah. If they have any feelings that are positive, five star wise, they can rate us on Apple Podcast app. Do that. Any there. negative ones, uh, come to Twitter and you'll talk with me, yeah. and then we can go from there. You can find us on Twitter at X Emo Social Club X. You can find us on TikTok at the same name. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, the rest of the places at Emo Social Club. You can also join us in Discord, emosocial.club slash Discord. We have some in person events that we are in the process of, we're in the works of. Uh, We're waiting um, to hear back from emails. So if um, you're somebody who just emails and you know how it's like to email and be like, I'm waiting patiently per my last email. That's where we are. Got Pilgrim by the door immediately after placing his Amazon (laughs) order. We are sitting looking at our phones, waiting for emails to come in. So hopefully they will be coming in very soon. We will be announcing. So make sure to follow us at all those locations that we just mentioned uh, they will also be in the show notes, and you can be the first to find out when we will be in Chicago somewhere. <laughs> we are only staying in the Chicago area, so um, 
if you're somewhere else and you want to make a road trip, first of all, that's on you. Second of all, um, that would be your only way to see us in person. Or book us. I guess I guess we would be yeah, willing or book to. Us. But we don't have any connections. So if you're a connection and you have some venue locations that you would like us to appear at and you if, can put something together and we can DJ it, we're happy to come. If you're famous on TikTok and you're an emo night DJ and you say, hello, can you come here? I'd be like, can we get paid for travel and expenses and amenities and hotel stays? And they say, yes. Okay, we're on the way. Yeah. Beep, beep. So when those planets align, we'll be in your city. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah, check us out there. We hope to see you soon in person or on our live streams at emosocialclub.com slash TV. That's not it. Emosocialclub. We hope to see you soon at our live streams at emosocialclub.tv. Uh, but without anything else to really mention or talk oh, about. Oh, no way. Buy our merch. Buy our merch. We keep forgetting about our merch. We keep saying, hey, people should should have our cool merch. And then we keep forgetting buy our to say it. Emosocialclub.com slash merch. Slash store. store. You're really fucking up tonight. I got the slashes right, but I got the words wrong. <laughs> com slash store. If you order it, usually I my waking hours until 3 a.m. So if you order it overnight impulsively, it'll ship out most likely the next morning. We love a late night. Whatever purchase. morning that is. Yeah. So hit us up on there. Show us your shirts and cool stuff. If you if you do it now, when you're listening to this, when this comes out on Thursday morning, and you buy a shirt before the end of day, which is 3 a.m. my time, which is basically Friday at 3 a.m. <laughs> I will ship this out on Friday God. in the morning, and then you will get it before Lollapalooza if you are going. Hell yes. And without anything else to say, here is our episode with Jameson of The Name Dropping Book. Welcome to the Emo Social Club podcast, broadcasting to you live from emosocialclub.tv. I am Brian. And I'm Lizzie, and we're here this evening with the author of Name Dropping Book, Jameson Ketchum. Thank you so much for hopping on, especially because it is literally um, 100 plus degrees where you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I keep, I, I this morning I kept checking, and then I was like, this isn't helping anything. Like, it's not giving me any any comfort to know how hot exactly is. Yeah. But it was one. It was 115 yesterday, and Oregon is not known for these kind of temperatures, so we're all huge wimps about it. <laughs> so many people in california just like i guess i'm just a baby now because i've been living here and it's a lot of people that are transplants from you know midwest or like east coast that like come to the west coast and they're like well now i'm all like privileged with this like fairly nice one season throughout the year and so everybody's freaking yep. out now during a heat wave like well and everyone yeah everyone always talks down about oregon about it being you know or the northwest in general that it's it's always just rainy and gloomy and stuff and i was like yeah i, I enjoy that that's great for me so when, yeah, as soon as it hits like 65, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a wimp about it for sure. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, well, we'll let you introduce yourself to the podcast and why we have you on and what's going on with you. So we'll let you get to that. Yeah. And thank you guys for having me on. Um, I really, really enjoy your show a ton. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, as, as Lizzie said, I have a book coming out next month. Uh, well, in July called Name Dropping. And uh, basically, I've been a music journalist for the past 15 years. Uh, I have my own podcast, uh, as well as just working for every magazine you can name that's sort of in this emo work tour, whatever you want to call it, scene. And uh, I just decided I wanted to put together a collection of some of these stories. And I think the more I did it, it was definitely like 
as, as much as you can be like, oh, anyone can do what I can do, or like anyone has these experiences, I think having them all collected in one place, I was like, this might be a thing. This might be something that other people will enjoy. And obviously, as you guys know, the nostalgia factor right now for this era is super high. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll play it off like I, I did it at the right time on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it really is like that time now where it's the nostalgia and it's also like a bunch of newer artists that are using that nostalgia and building off of it. And like mm -hmm. now that I, I, I was talking about this, I, I, I recently uh, just got back into an emo cover band, which has been a real choice on my part because uh, I did it for a couple of <laughs> years. And like it was just it, it was it was before my chem reunited. So I felt like, oh, we're good. Like. You know, yeah. Mike Hem isn't around. Uh, uh, Fall Out Boy doesn't play the early stuff. Panic doesn't play the early stuff. We're good. We're set. And now Mike Hem yeah. reunited, and I'm like, how the fuck am I doing this again? <laughs> we already have it all. <laughs> it's all coming back. So why do it again? Yeah. And I think that like there is still that excitement over over the old stuff, but I think it's it's this newer yeah. excitement with a lot of new things too. So there's a lot of like the history, yeah. but also the new stuff that's coming out now that like everybody's pretty excited about, I think. Yeah, I go back and forth on that. I, I'd be curious to know what you guys think, because I, I know that some bands I've I feel like I had a really nice goodbye to where it was <laughs> like, oh, this this is ending. Yeah, they might come back in a few years and do a reunion. But like for me, like for now, I'll just believe this is it and really like enjoy this final show, enjoy this moment. And then there's something about when they come back around that you are kind of happy, but you're also like, was this the plan? Like, you know, like, are you capitalizing? Yeah. On the, on that same nostalgia thing. Like, I don't know. I'm curious if you guys are ever sort of like, uh, I don't know, just not disappointed, just sort of like disillusioned with like, Oh yeah, everyone goes away, but don't worry. They'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, because a lot of these bands that have come back on this like new reunion run, I was too young to go and see them. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, oh, yeah. cool. I can finally go and see them. Now, are they playing all the stuff, like their older stuff that I really, really liked and enjoy? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on the band. Yeah. But for the most part, I really enjoy it. I mean, I know there's a lot of other people who are like, mm, this isn't going to happen. But if you've just seen like just how reunion tours have happened, even for like vintage rock bands like ACDC mm -hmm. and like Aerosmith and other things like that, you see them like go on and off of their own personal hiatuses and also being like, this is my last tour. LOL JK's on my, like Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> yeah. has what, like four last yeah. tours in the last probably like what, <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. And like, he's still trying to, you know, make up for the ones after COVID and being diagnosed with Parkinson's and all this stuff. And I'm like, I just feel like that's the natural cycle mm -hmm. unless it is such a small band to begin with. And they're yeah. like, okay, maybe we'll do like one reunion show in like 10 years and that's it. at like a hometown show. Like you've seen that yeah. happen. I feel like yeah. it's just normal and natural, but I think like to the outside eye, unless you are somebody who's like really involved in like the industry or music in general, mm -hmm. you're not going to see those patterns and you're just going to be like, now this is just not fun. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a really good point. And that, mm -hmm. that makes me feel better because I, yeah, I, I couldn't think of many bands that where I'd be like, well, I was too young for that. Um, but like, even just, yeah, you saying that I'm like, yeah, I never got to see at the drive-in. Like I was, you mm -hmm. know, just maybe like young high school or something and, and, you know, could have, could have gone, but didn't get into a band like that till later. So that's a really good point. But I, I feel like that gap is closing more and more. Like, 
I, I like I feel like when Under Oath did it, it felt very like man, I feel like this just happened. I feel like you just mm-hmm. did this big dramatic breakup and now you're teasing coming back. So I feel like when the, when the gap gets closed, I, I don't know. And it's not it's nothing against those bands at all. I think it's just like it's hard to, to navigate a little bit. It's hard to know how to feel about it. <laughs> yeah, I I'm curious when there's like we talked to the couple bands where it's like it's a money thing like the band is not doing financially well and they got to sure. take a break but there's still people that are passionate about them they still like their music and they're like well we might as well come back now because when we were 17 in a van <laughs> playing warp tour yeah. we didn't have money and now we have kind of established lives we can take some time to go and do that thing and it benefits everybody now as opposed to back in the day True. when it was like, we're not making any money. We're, we're broke 17 year olds and that's okay. It's just now we want to yeah. like get back out there into the world. Then there's like the yellow cards or the motion city soundtracks where it's like, if you wanted to break up and do other stuff and create new art and create something in a different vein, then that's fine. But just mm-hmm. make it a hiatus. Don't make it like this permanent thing. Yeah. Because then it feels like you're using that as a marketing ploy to get people to come to it rather than actually doing it for like the purposes. Uh yeah. The 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 chariot is a band that I really uh I, oh, I, I barely listened to them, but I went mm-hmm. to their shows every time they came through Chicago because I just loved yeah. their live set oh, so it's much. Insane. Yeah. So fucking good. And they were like they, I think, did it in a very like poetic and uh, uh, artsy way, the way they always do everything, because their album was called Long Live. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that 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 feels right. Long live the chariot. We're breaking up. Yeah. We're done. And then they haven't gotten back together. They haven't announced anything. And they went yeah. on to do uh, 68 and uh, Fever 333. And it's like both fantastic bands, both wonderful live, both great to see. So yeah. like, we're good. We don't need the chariot to reunite at this yeah. time and it feels like they don't need it either because they're both having their own successes separately so i i think yeah. there's different paths to it i guess i'm a huge chariot fan for mm-hmm. sure um and even i feel like even if i didn't love a lot of their music like yeah if you see them live once you're like you're a fan because it's just yeah. total chaos <laughs> but yeah like with uh furnace fest coming up a lot of people keep bugging i see keep bugging josh Doggin about like well this would be the time there's all these other bands at furnace fest that are going for it and he, so far nothing yeah. So there's there's definitely part of me that respects just like it's done and it's over. It's not coming back. And that kind of because it kind of adds that legendary status a little more. Yeah. If you got to see them at the time, then you're kind of like special for that. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's probably very elitist to say. It's <laughs> very like I heard him first. <laughs> yeah, that's like, uh, you know, Sex Pistols, like doing one record, The Doors doing one record. I mean, there are deaths involved in that. So I guess that's yeah, why I was they're not to getting say, back People together. died before what yeah. could happen there, first of I all. Mean, yeah, it's like, well, Nirvana, it's like, well, obviously we're not going to get that because Kurt Cobain died. So it's like you're... What? I know, I'm sorry, breaking news. Breaking news yeah, from 1996 really here. Uh, 94 or whatever. I don't have a computer. I don't. I don't I, I've never heard. Nirvana? I've never heard of them. Nirvana? Oh, no. Is that what this shirt is? I'm, I'm, yeah. Off? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, I think that we leave a lot of those legends to, to, to band members who have died as opposed to like giving it to the the band has died i guess in a way yeah 
That's super, I don't know, it's, it's super interesting. I, I have to say, too, the, the final chariot show that came through Portland, my car broke down on the way there, and I didn't get to see it. Uh, uh, that's, oh. Yeah, that's always what I think. I mean, I've seen them so many times before, like, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that it was that final time, I was so ticked. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, and I know there's bands that have been criticized for doing cash grabs. The first time that Blink came back, I remember seeing an interview with um, some of the Taking Back Sunday guys, and they were like, when they when they came back with John and Sean, which is such mm-hmm. a big deal, the original members, yeah, uh, they were like, "So are you going to tour?" And they're like, "Well, we want to put an album out first because we don't." And I think they were alluded they alluded to Blink a little bit, but they were like, "Because we don't want it to look like that. We don't want it to be like, hey, these guys are back. How legendary is this? Come see our show." They were like, "We want to put some work in first and like prove that we're doing it. We're doing the work before we come out and see you." So that was cool. Yeah, I. That's another, uh, sorry, I know we're getting into like this breakup side of things, but I'm also just like, yeah, because there's also like the lineup change, which is like yeah. another thing. Like if Fall Out Boy goes on hiatus and they come back with the same four people, it's a hiatus. It's not a breakup. It's just like, yeah, right. we took right. some time. If if Motion City Soundtrack says we're breaking up and then they come back later, it was a hiatus. If Taking Back Sunday mm-hmm. loses a member, writes a bunch of albums with a new member, and then they lose that member and come back with the old members, that's not really like a hiatus or anything. Like they've been an active <laughs> band the whole time. They're just like kind of switching it up and going back to like different lineups, which yeah. is going to be like a different era of the band. It's, it's all interesting. And it's really all like, about this, Brian. it's, it's all like, I mean, it's all semantics and it's all like, sure. you know, it's whatever it, it, you can do whatever you want in the music industry. I think people put too much, uh, there's too much behind a breakup or a hiatus or, or whatever. There's too much, emotion behind it where i mean you're gonna be sad when my chem breaks up i cried at the bar that night but <laughs> i found out i was at a bar and i was just like no i have you to said no oh absolutely gosh. not i was like <laughs> no, no not allowed i've had too many drinks for me to 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 feel this oh, right no, now yeah. danger. Uh, Lizzie, were you there to witness this no i was in high school so <laughs> I think high school, early college, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in early college because Danger Days came out when I was a senior in high school. Right. Oh, man. I'm way too old. I'm not going to say my age. I'm not going to say my age now. <laughs> Look, you're, you and I are probably more in that same re- region where it's like this. The experiences of the nostalgia are a bit at a different location for me and yeah. Lizzie. Like, yeah, I was in college like- for a lot of this. She was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I can finally like relive like what it was like to be that i mean because that way when um like in 2000 when in 2001 i was like eight so i i didn't like i was like (laughs) i was like six six this you know eight years old i was like not old enough to comprehend most things my comprehension was i love barbies (laughs) and barney (laughs) and barbie girl by aqua that's it i had head empty energy because i was a child yeah that song that that song is on my gym playlist uh, love it <laughs> no shame no shame in that game i do it's, it's funny so i do like to I, i'm 35 and the reason i like to say that is because you do find out like if someone's around your age you, you're it, you almost recalibrate to like oh so you know what i'm talking about with this band talking about this but i love also knowing that people younger than me were as obsessed and as involved because that bodes well for like the future yeah. as it goes on you know yeah, and you're right. There's different nostalgia points. And it's, I mean, I definitely get into that like older brother mentality feeling of, of someone, you know, someone's just like, well, my chem was the beginning and end of emo. And you're like, wait a second. And I got to <laughs> chime in here. Uh, but 
it's which is very silly, but I love that someone else feels that strongly because I would I would feel that strongly about dashboard or save today or something. Yeah. So I just absolutely. love that it still exists. Here at the Emo Social Club, we typically listen to the bops we grew up with. Yet, there's new music out there that you haven't even heard of. Ohio isn't just for lovers, but also is for new tunes. As Time Fades is a Cleveland band whose new EP, Trustfall, is reminiscent of their love for the elder emo era of music like Mayday Parade. The band includes catchy lyrics and the traditional pop-punk tones we enjoy, yet includes themes of love loss, anger at injustice, love, and discovering self-worth. Follow the band on Twitter and FB at AsTimeFades and on IG at AsTimeFadesBand. In this book, you focus a lot on like the Christian rock movement, which I think is really interesting because we haven't talked with a lot of people who have either listened to that type of music as much or was really heavily involved in it. So I saw a lot of that really insightful. Actually, one of the deans at my undergraduate college uh, helped found Cornerstone. So I always oh, thought wow. it was like kind of weird and interesting to see this because, I mean, I know Devil Wears Prada and like other bands like this, while they've kind of migrated away from that Christian rocker mm -hmm. white metal label, it's still pretty prominent and there's actually like been a kind of resurgence of it, at least with like um, Flyleaf on TikTok. It's been trending. Um, and I'm just Whoa. wondering, like, how do you kind of like how have you taken a lot of this? Because I know reading through your book here, it was a lot of, um, I guess, like the Christian youth type vibe, like young life energy, mm -hmm. which I personally never really experienced. But I had a lot of friends adjacent in high school who, you know, were involved in that. And some of them still are, but a lot of them aren't. How has it been to interact in the scene and industry where within the subculture, you do have a lot of individuals who are like maybe like, oh, I'm not really into it or are very like vehemently against religion because there's a lot of, you know, negative connotation and experiences people do, you know, mm -hmm. unfortunately have. Yeah. Has that been something that is either that has ever like really heavily affected you or deterred you from anything? I, I almost think that might be like the whole reason I wanted to write this book was that I, I was seeing I was seeing stuff that I've, I loved and didn't love in that scene. And same for, you know, whatever, let's just call it secular for the sake of this, uh, in the non-Christian music scene. Um, and I was getting more and more impacted by the non-Christian stuff. Whereas if you grew up in the church and you grew up doing the youth group thing, all that, you have, you know, at all times you have a chart on the wall that's like, hey, I see you love Nirvana. Uh, you should listen to Skillet then. Like you always <laughs> had the Christian, yeah, the Christian quote equivalent uh, of a band and they were never accurate you know whatsoever it was the most generic thing if you love nirvana you love skillet like nothing yeah so dumb <laughs> um but there was always that thing there was always like if if you're getting into this world this non-christian music world uh let us help you find something that that will be similar so you stay in this bubble so you stay safe or something um you know it's probably how i got into like mxpx which is what, like the first band i was ever obsessed with i was probably listening to green day and then it was like oh there's this band that sounds pretty similar which totally don't but as a kid you know um, <laughs> right you're like eh. yeah and i'm like well my parents i don't have to hide this under my bed if i go buy this album you know like, <laughs> or my my dad might buy it for me how amazing so i do think now um it's i think it's pretty much completely integrated now i think there's probably bands that you might not expect uh that do have like a stronger faith background it's just not in the forefront for them in their career and then there's bands like august burns red who are, who are very outspoken about it 
but who, uh, you know, don't dumb down their music. They don't dumb down their lyrics or anything. They're still, I'd say most people probably consider them one of the bigger metal bands in that scene, if not maybe the biggest, especially consistently. But I was watching, even today, I was watching a live that um, Jake, their singer, and Matt, their drummer, were doing. And Jake does a ton of nonprofit work. He's got his own nonprofit called Heart Support. And they were doing this conference uh, at his gym that's like, hey, come to this conference and we'll uh, we'll teach you different workouts depending on what level you're at. We'll talk about mental health. Uh, we'll talk about music, of course. Like, I just, I'm so impressed with where some of these bands are and actually putting like the rubber to the road and not just being like, hey, be good to each other. Uh, you know, we do this for Jesus. All right, let's rock. Like that was the, th- that was like the thing for so long was mm-hmm. just that quick little thing. So bands that have discovered uh, hey, this should just be about relationships and connecting with kids and connecting with their fans without any sort of hidden agenda. I think has been huge. So, I, I don't, I don't feel like there's as much of a division anymore. And it was a big thing for me to find out that I was getting sort of more, uh, I don't know, more energy or just more good stuff from some of these bands uh, that I wouldn't, that you know, wouldn't be played at church. I wouldn't, I wouldn't find like in the youth group CD closet. If that makes sense. <laughs> Not a lot of yes, young life energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can get into that. <laughs> I used to. Uh, I mean, I still do love Under Oath and Devil Wears Prada. Like, I'm still a fan of those bands. And listening back in the day, I was like, you'd play it for somebody, and you'd start hearing uh, Mike Ranica screaming, and you go, "That's Christian." <laughs> Before, like, yeah. uh, what? <laughs> right, and that, yeah. It was such a funny thing that like screaming inherently wasn't okay to do. Yeah. That's not Christian if they sound. Like <laughs> there was this uh, very weird ramp up of bands who, and I think that, I think that like, you know, we talked about like how there is that like sort of non-punk ethos about being religious. But then mm-hmm. like I went to Sounds of the Underground that Devil Wears Prada was on and they all come out and they all put their hands together and they prayed on stage before they started their set. And this is the year when Guar is on it and Every Time I Die is on it. And, yeah. you know, just it's a situation where, you know, this is a room full of people who are are down with Satan and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. And there's this band coming out that's praying and they're not saying anything to the crowd about it. They're just praying like visibly on stage. And the crowd is yeah. booing. The crowd is like, oh, my God, what the fuck is this? And then next thing you know, they just rip a set. And I was actually like really impressed by sort of the the flipping on its head of the like we are christian in a very non-accepting situation showing ourselves as that working as hard as we can to put on a good show for you as an audience and hoping to get some fans here just of our music not of anything else but like knowing that they're entering that realm of like this is dangerous for us to do (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah and i mean i i talk about this a lot in the book like i any most of the touring that i did in my 20s was with like a christian hardcore band and they would for at least the first half of those tours they would pray on stage they would do all that stuff and it was so interesting to hear the conversations after of like are we doing this for show are we doing this so that kind of like you said like do it for show and then just come out and and you know play this insane show and kind of show them like we can be badass too there was always this struggle of like are we doing this to show off a little bit and to like be like, Hey, just so everyone knows, like this is a Christian band that's about to play. Um, 
so it's I don't know. It's interesting. But somebody like Prada, of course, is of course going to like blow the doors off the place mm. regardless. Yeah. So I don't know where it's at today. I don't I don't know that I feel like I in a lot of ways, I feel like the, the that really intense Christian hardcore scene ended maybe like 10 years back or so. Or there's maybe just not as many as many around. Yeah. I guess it kind of yeah. goes with metalcore and just like the it feels like metalcore and Christian uh, uh, like Christian metalcore was its own specific thing. Like there was like pop yeah. punk and there was other sides of it. But like uh, for me, this might just be for me because I was way more into metalcore back in the day. And like those are the bands I would see at Warped Tour uh, right. and, and all that. It's like that was my scene. And so there just felt like there was a lot more in that realm than there was in some of the other genres. Right. So maybe just as like metalcore is kind of drifted off into more like yeah. pop punk and emo or edm or any of the other things yeah. that came after it like maybe it just kind of faded away too yeah i i was just earlier today i was watching uh there's a it's on youtube now but it's a tooth and nail documentary and brandon ebel was talking about his he started this radio station in college and he wanted the point being he wanted to play more christian bands and just sort of like slip them in between like bands that everyone already knew because he believed like they're just as good there's this isn't a watered down thing and uh he was like also like what he's like i get that there's this punk rock thing against religion that totally makes sense but also what's more punk rock than kind of like doing whatever you want mm-hmm. <laughs> and talking about whatever you want and, and he's like but i see both sides and i was like you're right though like you can't be like yeah screw everything there's no rules except for that you can't talk about god yeah so i was like yeah like it's it's cheesy but i i love that he was like well what's more punk rock than you know <laughs> doing whatever you want all the time <laughs> true can't argue with the logic of that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think what's interesting so i saw skillet live at Summerfest, and i knew that they were a christian religious band and this was like years and years ago and i was fine with it but i will say you know they started preaching really heavily on stage for at least 10 to 20 minutes of their set like in the middle of their sets and i'm like yeah. hey i'm just trying to vibe out and hear monster because that was like their main single <laughs> at the time and i'm song, like hey yeah. i'm gonna go see death cat for cutie instead and cry because there's a little <laughs> bit too much going on here yep. um that is not the music and like i get that that's their vibe but i was just definitely like hey this isn't like the time and place i guess i just felt it was like very strange but also like recently like skillet came out saying like I support the insurrection. And I was like, yo, dude, that I ain't know. it. <laughs> and there's I a know. lot of like these bands on like even like um like I mentioned earlier, TikTok, like Flyleaf all around me is becoming like a trending sound. Hmm. And there's all these like, you know, OG like emo kids, you know, kids from the scene. They were like, hey, but like Lacey Serum went to like conversion therapy and preaches that it's so great and like doesn't like LGBTQ and everyone's like, What are you talking about? Hmm. And I'm just like wondering how that kind of has worked out because I know obviously like not all Christians have that type of mindset. I get it. Yeah. Everybody who's religious has different mindsets. I'm, I'm Catholic. I don't have a lot of these, you know, negative mindsets, but I, I just wonder like, how does that <clears throat> for you as somebody who seems, you know, pretty not, not like that, <laughs> um, like kind of like see that disconnect within the scene mm-hmm. and how is that something that, you know, you feel about yeah. it? Yeah. I so badly when you were talking wanted to be like, well, conversion therapy does work, and John Cooper is right. <laughs> like, <laughs> just throw throw everything off. Yeah. No, I, I'm so glad that you asked that, and I'm glad that I'm glad that whether it was my book or, or talking to me for ten minutes would show that. But 
Um, yeah, that's. I think that's another thing that's sort of just blown up that Christian scene a bit is is knowing that it's not that cut and dry. It's not that like if you are a Christian, then here's your uh, twenty things that you need to make sure you believe in and defend. Um, that there's it's way more black and white. And so I got like I got sent John Cooper's book uh, a few weeks before he started kind of like getting. In, I don't want to say in trouble, but I guess like being more talked about because of that stuff. So I got, and I had got sent his book. I'd read a few pages and for my podcast and stuff. And then, yeah, I saw that and I was just like, oh man, like that's just such a bummer. I, and I kind of just put it on the shelf and was like, well, you know, I'll check in on this growing story here and there, but you're right. I, it's, it's a bummer to see that. I, I know that there's also, you know, secular bands that maybe believe some of that stuff. It's, it's just all, it's all a little bit gray. So I think I think it's been a big thing for me personally just to just to realize that for one that there's not any one right way, and then it's and then it really upheavals your or it causes a bit of an upheaval in your in your belief system because you have been taught uh, the, these are the right things, and you look at somebody like John Cooper who like uh, you know I remember listening to them in like seventh grade and it's amazing that they've come this far and they've they've done so well for so long. But it's just it's just sad to see. It's sad to when you dive deeper into someone that you maybe looked up to or have listened to for years and you're like, Oh, that's that's what you believe and that's what you're like toting. <laughs> you're like, that's oh, not man. right. <laughs> yeah, that's not yeah, that doesn't line up with yeah, like I can still I can still like one of their songs or whatever. Um I guess. I don't know, that's that's a very murky conversation, I know, but <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it's just it's it's just more makes me sad, I think. And it's not it's not that I have it all figured out you know, by any means, but, and then at the same time, I can look back at a band as old as DC Talk, who was maybe one of the first, like, bands I remember hearing in general, super conservative Christian band, and some of those members are, are going like, nah, like, that's, that's not cool, like, and it's, and it's okay to, to grow and learn, and even make mistakes, maybe I'll change my mind on this in five years or ten years, but, like, I just want people to know it's okay to do that, so those are the, I, I'm way more on board with that type of thing, I would say. Yeah. I don't remember it being so close minded, if that's the word, or like I, I remember there was this big uh, interview that came out on Warp Tour with uh, at Mike and Under Oath. Yeah. And it was, this is like the interview where he was like giving it to Under Oath, just like really questioning yep. them on everything. And Under Oath was really holding strong to their ideals, which I think it was yeah. a, it was a, it was a, it was a lively debate, I guess. It wasn't really like a like Fat Mike. I feel like is the kind of guy to be more like I'm gonna try to get you anti- to, to like do an something. He's like an organizer, but that's his like yeah. that's his yes. guess. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's like always that's the greatest, guess. but I think for like what No FX is and who Fat Mike is as his identity, like it it yep. fits and we we get it in the scene. Like it makes sense to us in some weird way. It makes sense yeah. to us. Yeah. And I, then to that, yeah. To be that like older guy and then like have that sort of behavior and be known for that and then to approach a younger band because they're Christian and like join like mm-hmm. one of their I'm explaining it just for anybody who doesn't know, but uh yeah. it was it was just sort of him sitting in like a youth uh, uh a church thing, a, a little prayer circle, them talking, them having their uh their time together as the christian bands on warp tour and he was joining it to kind of have a debate with them it was all filmed i forget where it was posted if it was all press or if it was somewhere else but 
I know AP really jumped on it. Yeah, it was it was a really big thing that year because I remember then the year after, uh, or maybe it was like later that year, Under Oath broke up. Like so that was like right before yeah. a lot of stuff happened within the band, and it uh, it really changed their trajectory, I guess. And I don't know if they're yeah. correlated, but it feels like there was a lot uh there and i don't i don't really remember aside from like those kinds of discussions those kinds of debates there being really any pushback like or like or like really hard things to like deal with about somebody being christian or like that not open-mindedness yeah. or that not willingness to have a conversation or anything like that back mm -hmm. at the time and and yeah, yeah i don't know where that started well, or came from <laughs> well and lizzie i love what you said about going to that skillet show because uh there's and there's many bands that have said this since then but i always think of the band emory talking about you know they get yelled at from the crowd saying like are you going to talk about jesus uh as if you know they if they don't say it then then people are going to hell that night or something um and they they were the first people i think that i heard that were like you didn't pay to hear me preach like you paid to hear these songs that you love so i would be doing you a disservice if i spend three song lengths uh talking about something that you don't care about like, and if you want to talk about it, fine. Like, I'll, I'll be around later or whatever. Like, it just, it should come up more naturally than me preaching at you and wasting your time if you don't want to hear it. Mm. I, I remember going to, like, Sleeping Giant shows or Four Today who were really intense about preaching. And, you know, for me, I, di I didn't mind it because it was something I enjoyed hearing. But I just also remember sitting in the back of venues and watching kids who were, you know, just there to mosh and there to dance and stuff, just, you know, roll their eyes and be like, all right, well, I'm going to go take a piss now, or I'm going to go get a beer now. Like, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go do something else during this because this is not what I paid for. And yeah. And I remember being like, yeah, I'd be mad too. I didn't pay for this yeah. show, but if I did pay 20 bucks for the show, I'd be pretty ticked. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a, a bit of a, a bit of a disservice and just impersonal at mm. the same time. And well, let's talk about um, Hope Corps. So it was a magazine that you ran, and you also obviously in your past you worked with a lot of nonprofits, including To Write Love on Her Arms. So if you just wanted to like just talk a little bit more about that, because I personally never heard of Hope Corps, but a lot yeah. of the references you made sounded like a pretty modern, but just like Christian rock version of like alt press or substream. Yeah, I mean that's certainly what we what we thought at the time we were doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, Hope Corps was a radio station started by uh, this guy named Jeremy at my college, and he knew. Like, I went to college in a super small town, so to find anyone that was he was like wearing an Amberlynn sweatshirt one night at a bowling alley, and I was like, I have to go talk to this guy. There's definitely no one else here that is going to be listening to this band. Uh, like, where well, I have to be friends with this person. So that he, I found out he had this radio station he was just starting up, and I was like, well. I don't know anything about radio. I don't really care, but like, I'd love to do a magazine someday or be, you know, right for one or start one. So we just sort of made that branch off of that. And um, thankfully, like our, our first issue was we had like Stephen Christian from Amberlynn on the cover of the first one. And I had just sort of made these connections before that, that I didn't really know what they were for. I was just, I think I was just excited about like networking and getting to know these bands, even though I had no purpose for getting to know them yet. Um, and yeah, that just led to, we did something like, we did an issue, I think we did something like 32 issues or something like that. So I did it for about two years. And, and that's also what I usually point to as the end of like that Christian hardcore scene was because we were, we were like, I think we can keep doing this, but I don't feel like there's anything new happening. Like, I think we've had everyone we've wanted and now we're just going to be on repeat. I mean, we had thrice a few times switch foot, like these big names, but 
yeah, we were just like, I think it's just kind of, if it's over, let's not uh, beat a dead horse, you know? And the nonprofit stuff, I, I mean, To Write Love is still going strong today. I certainly found out about them because of music, because of Switchfoot, because of Aaron Gillespie from Under Oath. And I think there was this really cool time. I don't know that it's still this way, but there was this really cool time where there was all these nonprofits sprouting up that sprouting up that uh, had were connected with music that were like, they found, you know, they figured out, oh, if I can get this singer, this drummer to wear this shirt, um, you know, it'll spread awareness. And honestly, like getting to know To Write Love and, and working there, I had, I, this was 2008, it sounds so naive, but like, I don't think I knew what self-harm was until I read and I like got into what To Write Love was about. So there was all this stuff that just felt really like, oh man, people do this, this is awful. Oh, and there's an entire organization, multiple ones dedicated to helping people with it. That's that's incredible. Um, so there was a really cool time where I felt like there was singers, there was just people that were connected to the music industry starting nonprofits. Um, and I, I really enjoyed my time at every one that I did. Um, but looking back and kind of being like, man, I worked for this one and this one and this one, it was certainly like a trendy thing. And it wasn't that they weren't doing good work. I, I, I tend to look back and question my own motives more. So I worked for Faceless, which was Stephen Christian from Amberlynn. I was his nonprofit at the time. And it was a cool thing. They were like popping up so much. Um, but I think because I was so involved with music, I was like, is this also a thing I can get into? Will this lead to like other opportunities in music? And, and it was a hard thing to be like, do I really care about this topic? If I don't, then that's really scary. And I don't want to be that person. <laughs> Really interesting. It's like uh, what I was thinking when you say it, and I don't mean to be like to, to to push anything off as it's not, you know, doing some meaningful work in some way, even if it helps one person, it's good work. Uh, but it's like it's like you would start a nonprofit or you would start a clothing company as an artist. Oh, and yeah. it's like if you could do either one, do you really care about one of them that is doing that? hard work you know that that good yeah. work for somebody i yeah i i loved buying like merch from bands that had their own clothing company i'm wearing a smooth sailing shirt right now which was uh steven from go radio that was mm. his company and i have a bunch of his just because we were we were friends and i have a bunch of his stuff but you're right it was a clothing company or a non-profit and if you started a clothing company 10 percent should go to a non-profit yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, well, and they're yeah, just like where right. did this come from that. who is this yeah i remember yeah. it's like 10 percent will go to uh, to write love in our arms or another one but yeah it was like 10 percent yep. will go to this wow yep. invisible right. children yeah. yeah yeah i mean bryce bryce avery had one i remember i had shirts from his stuff everyone repped invisible children like yeah, yeah it's just it, it's a cool thing like it's so cool in concept i just wonder how many people like stuck with it or took it seriously like even when I was at To Write Love, people, bands, if we went to a festival, bands would ask for shirts. And, you know, we couldn't just give them, like, away willy-nilly. But uh, I remember a few people saying, like, yeah, I gave this band a few shirts. And then they were like, what is this again? So it, it definitely just became, like, a cool, you know, thing to wear, yeah. like, a To Write Love shirt. Um, and, yeah, I, I, it's, it's also just a funny marketing thing to think that John Foreman from Switchfoot wore a shirt on stage and the next day like to write love blew up hey listener guess what we got merch in our store emosocialclub.com slash merch you can check it out now we got some tank tops for the summer 
Uh, we got a new new metal logo, a new new metal logo, go go go, and it's uh, it's kind of a '90s new metal vibe that also comes in a tank top, and we got a tank top that says "Suns Out, Stay Inside," which you know you're emo, you don't go out in the sun. It's bright, and it's hot. EmoSocialClub.com/store. Check them out, get them. All purchases go to help us just make more merch, get more cool stuff. You're helping us out. We're helping you out. Going off your sleeves, going off your arms. If you don't want sleeves, check it out. EmoSocialClub.com slash store. I guess that connection of like the, to connect the clothing company to nonprofit again, but it's like the right love in our arms also had some really cool shirts. So it's kind of like that. It's it's like the one that like kind of made a name for itself by having the cool shirts, having them available like at Warp Tour. If you see somebody on stage wearing it and you're like, oh, I'm going to go pick up that shirt from their booth, which is over there. So no one even has to say anything. You just like see it. You go, I like that shirt. I don't know what it means. I'm just going to go to the booth. But it like just by by proxy of getting that many people coming to the booth, you're probably going to get uh, some people interested in it. And then it grows from there. So see it that way. Yeah, which. Which I guess is win-win. I mean, yeah. you're not you're never going to be mad someone just wearing the shirt, even though even if they don't know what it is. But yeah, when when I worked there, when I, I was an intern there for a few months, and so when we would do festivals, that was the big thing was that if someone came to the booth and wanted a shirt or or not was just hanging around, like you really wanted to give the spiel and make sure they knew what it was about and see if you know if they were someone that maybe needed some help or or a friend or whatever. So. They did a really good job of that. I was I was in the intern program in 2008, and they'd only been around a few years, so. I don't think it'd been very fine tuned yet, but it's still cool to see. I mean, I still have like all my, most of my shirts from there and most of my sweatshirts and all the original stuff. So it's, uh, I, I definitely look to them as like the original them and stuff like invisible children, as far as being that connected and being that like, I, I don't know. I have to think Trite Love was probably one of the first like nonprofits that was at least big at something like Warp Tour or any festival. I'd say so. Yeah, I would believe that, too. So I want to talk about, so you were on Mike Herrera's of MXPX podcast. And something that I saw that stood out in your book was that he started talking about multiple realities here. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> oh, man. No, I only say, oh, no, because I was so thrown off by him asking that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, that's, I mean, that was what made it so, so funny was that. I'm, I'm already like floored. Like I had listened to MXBX since probably like sixth grade. Like I said, it was probably the first band I was really like obsessed with to where I was like, okay, so you can get full sleeve tattoos and still be like a Christian guy or something. And you can look like this, wear these, these clothes sound like this. Like it was just such a like door opener, I think. Um, and I had met Mike a few times over the years and interviewed him and stuff, but to, to have it be reversed to where he was like, come to my home, come to my studio and, and be on this podcast was, was amazing. So to have it open with like, he started with something else and then, and then like kind of took a few tangents and then came around to like, anyways, I was talking to someone about multi realities. What do you think about that? And so I was just <laughs> so like, uh, like I'm already so nervous. I'm already. So You're like, <laughs> I thought we were talking about music journalism. Yeah. Oh, why are uh, we in the sci-fi yeah. right now? I was guys? Like, yeah. what? I was like, how do I steer this back to me? <laughs> <laughs> that's all i could do but yeah i was so I, I i i don't think i ever listened back to that episode either i think I, <laughs> I think i'd just be too embarrassed but more in the writing that part in the book i was just like yep it happened so i'll brag about that don't ask me any detailed questions 
been asked many questions about multiple realities. This yeah. wasn't on the notes. This wasn't on the email. This this was not mentioned. I yeah. don't understand how we got from A to uh, like F over here. But yeah. it was um, like A what? to like 25 or something instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. It was such a like it was. Yeah. Like I said, it was such a trip anyway. Just like being in this room uh, and, and knowing what was. Yeah. All of that was just so odd and so cool. And and first full circle, like I just love I, I hope this comes across in the book, but like the whole like too cool for school or the whole like oh i saw this band back then or i've met them whatever i i get that and I've, i'm sure that i've been that person but i think as i get older i just want to be like no like it's cool to freak out about cool stuff it's fine to be like yeah i listened to this band in seventh grade and now i get to sit at the table with him and ask him whatever i want oh he's gonna ask me questions like enjoy that weirdness of life enjoy that you made it from yeah like if i could ever just shake this person's hand wouldn't that be insane to they're asking you questions about your career like enjoy that weirdness for sure <laughs> <laughs> there's another reality where that never happened for you oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a split timeline yeah <laughs> oh god we we've we've talked about it on our podcast a couple of times i'm a big fan of it so like yeah except the thing is we kind of like go into it it's not just a random like hey guess what like there's something that prefaces it a little yeah, bit yeah no it and it's fascinating i i even think of like uh well you guys watch the show community yes yeah they, they obviously have a huge timeline yeah. thing in that and i was re-watching that a few years ago yeah and i was just like oh man like this is really turning my brain inside out like <laughs> this sitcom this very silly sitcom like yeah what if what if they did take that timeline where would this go yeah and yeah it goes on and on it's, but it's brilliant <laughs> even even it's what i've followed you guys for a while and i've listened to your episodes and stuff and so even as i was logging on i was like it's so cool i get to talk to lizzie and brian <laughs> like as, like yeah but like as if it's you know obviously as, as if it's like brad pitt and you know angelina or something but just when you when you follow somebody for a while and you listen you listen or you like partake in their work it is a funny thing to just be like oh and i get to talk to them like yeah. it's, a, it's a thing that you admire and then you get to be like on you know at the same table it's just it's really cool the pair is a parasocial relationship is that what it's called like what <laughs> so i think I so <laughs> maybe oh god i'm like i need this music or i can't function i can't uh, do it but it's like it's like knowing somebody through art or or something like we now have this experience of like there are people we know but they don't know us and we only know yeah. them in a certain filter through either their art or their creations or their content or being a person on a podcast being a person on youtube being a person in a movie that we really like you know playing a character yeah. it's like and now we know all the stuff about this person, but we don't yeah. know that person and they don't know us. And it's like to then oh, sit yeah. face to face with them. I'm sure it's just like uh, you're real, like you actually exist and you're <laughs> yeah. not just the words in your song or you're not just the person on the video or whatever. Yeah. And just just to embrace the, the title of my book, Name Dropping, I feel yeah. like there were so many bands that I got to sit down with where I had that exact thing where I it was somebody it was somebody big to me let's say like adam for adam lazara from taking back sunday or something like where it was somebody that was really big to me and important to me and rather than be nervous it felt like seeing an old buddy because you were like oh i know so much about you it's this conversation is going to be easy and you sit down and you're, <laughs> you're very like 
casual, like, oh, what's up, man? And shake hands and all that. And you're like, oh, that's right. You don't know me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just think I do because I'm a super fan. You're like, Ugh. yeah, and you're like, They're sorry. Like, yeah, let me explain. You, you don't know one thing about me and I know <laughs> quite a bit about you. And that's very off balance. <laughs> I feel like that's so validating because at least for me, because I've been doing like interviews for so long that I have had friends have been like, oh, my God, I, I like met this like a person who's in, like an indie band that we really like. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, like I kind of freaked out. I'm like, oh, OK. And they're like, don't you? And I'm like, I feel like at this point, because I've been so used to talking with people and like mm -hmm. the industry and like working in like media that it doesn't phase me as much. Now, like, when I was this close away from Frank Iero at the Riot Fest press box, I definitely hit my friend in excitement <laughs> because I didn't know, like, head went empty and I went burrow because yeah. I didn't know what to do. And I yeah. was freaking out. So I feel like unless it's, like, a very, very large band like that for me personally, I'd, I would be pretty nonchalant i guess i'd be very yeah. open to it so it's always good because i'm like i don't want to sound like i'm frigid or like yeah like you know talking myself it's like no it's just very normal because i'm just trying to talk to another person as if you know they aren't just a regular person really day in yeah. and day out yeah and i think like i don't know about you guys but i would also get down on myself thinking like yeah i just interviewed you know adam or like dustin from thrice or something but then i think but the average person on the streets doesn't know who these people are like they're they're big to me but they're not bono they're not dave Grohl or something so who cares like i i would <laughs> which is very silly like it should just still be awesome and a yeah. big deal but um yeah like i was the la one of the last work tours i went to cky played and i loved like bam and jackass and ck mm -hmm. like the old cky videos for years and years so to see them see them play and to see them like hanging out backstage and like being goofy to each other and like you know one guy like dumped water on the you know a very stupid obviously not a very cool jackass prank um <laughs> but just seeing them be like a little bit as what i expected i was like that's okay like i'm i'm pretty starstruck right now i'm pretty like that's a thing that only exists on my tv and now it's in front of me that's <laughs> that's pretty weird yeah yeah how do you I mean, I, I, yeah. I've said to Lizzie many times that I'm very not good at talking to people, but I also think yeah. it's, it's, it's that situation. <laughs> like if I meet a band at a show or, or, uh, more recently, if I meet somebody who is DJing an event, right? Like that's, that's mm -hmm. a thing where like band or a singer or something will like show up at a DJ night and they'll be talking there. Uh, yeah. we've had a couple good experiences with that. Cause we do emo night LA here in, in Chicago. Uh, I, yeah. I DJ and my friend is doing it. So we hang out and then there's just like, uh, all of a sudden it's, it's William Beckett of the Academy is, and we're just hanging out with him in the green room and having a normal yeah. friendly conversation. He, and it's just the, the conversation just flows really well. But I think it's yeah. like, well, we're both here on an even playing field. Now we're both DJing. We're both just standing here at the same place right. and we can just talk because we're both doing the exact same thing right now. But if I'm, yeah. if I'm in the crowd and I see uh, Keith Buckley of every time I die, I'm just like, maybe I don't want to bother him. Like he's busy. I don't want to yeah. talk to him. Is that funny? It's, it's almost like they don't know I'm nobody. <laughs> they don't know I'm not as yeah. busy as they are. <laughs> oh my God. Look, there I stood right next to uh Bradley of Emerosa. And I was like, we're the same right now. I mean, you exactly. you leave and you're in Emerosa, but I'm right here right now. <laughs> we're you. the same yeah. person right yeah. now, dude. Yeah, <laughs> we're doing the same thing. <laughs> I uh, 
it's funny i i had this list when i was younger of like all the bands especially singers that i like my goal was to interview and that that list like i i feel like i did pretty well with it and then i'd add people over time but since you mentioned william beckett i'd done interviews with him like phoners and stuff and i never got to sit down with him in person so a few years ago in portland like i had it all set up i was so stoked to do it and he was just doing like a solo show and he had some fans there that were like really taking up his time. It was like a mother and daughter mm. who were just like punishing him in a corner, like, like legitimate. Yeah. Like legitimately had him cornered. Um, yeah. I remember a few band friends saying, yeah, we call them punishers. Just the people that like, don't realize that you, you only get a question or two and maybe you should politely move on. Uh, the, they just like, yeah, they monopolize all your time. So this mother and daughter are just like going after him so hard. And he's being so nice. But I'm like checking my watch, just like I want to go home. Like I want to get this done. I got I got to go home. And uh, so his tour manager came by, and I can't remember who it was, but I was like I was like, hey, do you think you can kind of nudge him, like you know, so we can get moving on this? And he goes, yeah, totally. And he yells across this venue. There's maybe still like 50 kids in there. He goes, hey, Bill. He goes, this dude wants to kick your ass. <laughs> and points at me and he just looks like scared and i was like trying to like laugh like oh that's, that's a funny joke between us three and but i look at the tour manager just like already out the door he just said that and left and uh i was like that was really funny but i'm not i'm not getting this now and he just hung out with them and i was like i gotta i just bailed out and left but damn i was like yeah <laughs> this dude wants to kill you <laughs> i was so bummed so that'll apparently I don't know that'll ever happen now. Yeah. I feel like he's he's not too popular these days. He uh he was very nice with us. <laughs> very friendly, yeah. very friendly okay. conversation to us. So you never know. You never know. Yeah. I don't know if he leaves One Chicago very much. Obviously not right now, but I feel like Right. Uh oh that's true. People are you guys have so many good bands from there. Uh, we try to keep them, but they all move to California. Yeah, they all move or have some problems happen, and then we're like, never, never mind. mind. And then we find a yeah. new band and be like, this is the band. I swear to God, if you are problematic, I'm going to physically kick your oh, ass, actually. From across the state, I'm going to kick your ass, and it's on site. Stop it. I, like, just just in the last 10 seconds, I was like, man, like, you you guys really, I, I, I thought of one or two, like, Academy is and Alkaline, but I was like, you also have Motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, more recently, I know they're, they have got some trouble to get sleep on it. Yep. We're good dudes and yeah there's a ton of stuff that comes out of chicago got that uh the pop punk scene here where a lot of people i don't know i get i just get mad about like fall boy and alkaline trio moving to california and it's just like don't get too yeah. popular don't get too big otherwise you're yeah. gonna leave you're gonna get to and San they're Francisco. considered like yeah i bet fallout boys considered more of a like california band maybe now and to now, some yeah. people but yeah, I think like people who are like in their newer cycle, they're best. They're yeah. definitely like, yes, they're California because you know that's what a lot of their newer stuff is. It's a little bit more popular, sure. and it's like, no, they're from here. Patrick <laughs> stuff can't stop t- singing about how much he fucking loves Chicago. It's in every single song. <laughs> I swear to God. I feel like yeah, it's, it's the first record, and then there's uh, that that EP they put out before they did the the Wrigley Field show here. They had Lake a Effect Kid. Lake Effect Kid, but they had a couple other songs on there that were all about Chicago. And it's it like, liter- yeah. I'm like, are you just trying to remind people from Chicago that you are from You're Chicago? From yeah. <laughs> like, I we're not going to like I, if you don't. <laughs> there's no way that any of them probably still live there, right? No, they're all California. No, they're all over there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, or one of them is, uh, Andy lives in, he might live in Portland. 
He might live in Seattle or Portland or something like that. Oh yeah, because he has um Oracle Coffee. He has his coffee shop. I've been there before. Uh, yeah. Very good uh, coffee. I was gonna say, if anyone, I bet Andy maybe would be like, no, I just still live right next to my parents. Yeah, like, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> Did, yeah. didn't go I'm to LA. Yeah, I would I say can. maybe behind like the Long Island, as far as like the era we're talking about, behind like Long Island and Jersey basement shows, like Chicago would be close second. I mean, certainly third to like breeding most of those bands yeah uh midwest in general had a lot i know there are some that are like like hawthorne heights ohio is is mm -hmm. close enough i'm like well yeah we're not taking them that. but like we could say you know they're nearby yeah. enough uh that's true not a lot from iowa not a lot from uh no, just, yeah, no. just, slipknot. Slipknot. <laughs> just slipknot really <laughs> i don't know any other iowa. band from I I don't know well any, there's one yeah. there's another band from iowa stars hollow they're, they're hmm. like a newer emo band they're really good i've met them before they're really really nice guys i don't know anybody i don't know any other bands from iowa besides yeah. them. i was gonna <laughs> like say recently. I, I don't think i know any people or bands other than slipknot from iowa yeah. <laughs> But uh, hey, they put Iowa on the map. They did. You know what? <laughs> yeah. They they made us they all aware corn, of it. <laughs> children yeah. of the corn with the mask. That's, right. that's it. That's what we are. Yep. Hello. Get out of here, wheat. <laughs> We're taking over. Tate Logan embarks on solo projects. One being a solo music project. The other partnering with Clout Chain for an exclusive digital card collection friend of the pod, Tate Logan of the band Happy, branches off to start a solo project with limited edition digital cards to collect. There are three themed collections to choose from, the Friend Crush Club Edition, Coffee and Covers Premiere Edition, and the rare What's Your Favorite Scary Movie Horror Edition. Or just like Pokemon, catch them all. Tate Logan uses his platform in the music community to offer a safe digital space for the LGBTQ community. He says he wants fans to feel understood and valued while growing a true connection with the fandom. Through this collection, fans can unlock opportunities to connect with Logan in many ways. Jumpstart your card collection by going to cloutchain.io, create an account, and pre-order by July 22nd. You can throw out where everybody can get the book, uh, when it's when it's released and all that, and where everybody can find you on the internet, find out more for... Uh, You've been hosting a lot of photos on your Instagram of like hanging out with old bands. So like it's been it's been one of those rides of like this is me at this warp tour, this is me over here. And I'm like, it's pretty cool. So I I would recommend following you on Instagram if you want to throw that one out there too. Yeah, yeah. It's just at name dropping book. Um and that's been the goal is is to certainly like every every Thursday I'm like, yeah, throwback Thursday, because that's all I have. Um <laughs> Because we had, because no one's been outside in, in yep. a year and a half, so <laughs> yeah. everything, everything's a throwback inherently. Um, but yeah, that Instagram is the best place for right now. Um, at name dropping book, and I, I definitely respond to everything. And I, I just want like the biggest thing is just connecting with, connecting with people. But I mean, to connect with people that were around during that time for sure, and to have, I, I love having hearing stories of like, well, I met this person and they were great, and they said this funny thing, or they signed this thing. Like to just hear those positive stories and encounters i think are really cool because i think that's what hopefully what this book is mostly about and then also just the power of the music has over all of us that we might some people might not consciously think about i i think the more that i wrote the stories i was like oh this really dictated like where i went for the last 15 years um you know 20 to 35 is pretty important time yeah. so uh <laughs> yeah to be like oh I've, I've had this thing in the background or in the forefront that was kind of dictating my next move all the time 
Um, but yeah, a uh, name dropping book. The book will be out um, July 16th. It just got pushed back. So July 16th. But everything uh, as far as the info and stuff will be on the, the Instagram, which I will gladly blast everybody with as soon as it is ready to go. Um, but it's also just been really cool to see you guys just had Mike DeMonte on. Like he's mm. I've been talking to him about yeah. being on being on mine as well. And I think when I started writing the book, I was like, maybe no one's going to like this because there isn't books about this yet. Like maybe it's maybe it's too current. I remember like going to the bookstore as a kid and being like, how come I can't find a book about Green Day? Or about dashboard and then i'm like oh because it's still happening like no one's <laughs> yeah. written a book about it yet and now i feel like everyone uh that was around during those years are now writing books about it like mike um another book called uh, from the basement by taylor markarian mm. there's just all these people now that are like we're old enough we've been journalists for a long time maybe a book is the next step and you're getting to see history that was 10 15 20 years ago that still feels like it was yesterday so I hope I hope my book is like alongside books like Taylor's and, and Mike. So hopefully. I think that's a really interesting prospect because I also know Dan Ozzy is coming out with a book too, kind of looking at like the mainstream like emo pop punk, but like a deeper dive. And I also just wanted to wonder too, I've seen with a lot of current music journalism, especially with like more independent publications. Something that I've personally as a journalist has seen is that there's a lot of people very being like very, I don't want to say wishy-washy, but very careful with their wording. And there's not a lot of harder questions being asked anymore. Yeah. Whereas you see a lot of these like more veteran, like music journalists and music writers saying like, hey, what is this? Like, let's talk about this. Whereas now I feel that it's kind of like secondary of a press release, but for free. Yeah. Um, and I've seen that happen a lot. I've seen it happen with um, some fairly popular, like currently popular, like independent and DIY spaces. And I'm just wondering what people think about that who have gone through like kind of like the OG development of like really prime music journalists in like the early 2000s to like yeah. looking back on how it is now. Yeah, that's uh, I love that because I it's absolutely true. And I started to think. I mean, when I was younger, you don't want to ruffle any feathers either. Like you're just starting out in the industry. Uh, sometimes you're told by a publicist what not to ask about. Um, and inherently you do want to be like, oh, well, now I know what I'm going to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I'm going to do it though. <laughs> yeah, because clearly there's, there's some juicy stuff here. Um, but yeah, when you're younger and you're starting out, you're like, you need all those connections. You need all that networking. So you're not going to like ruffle any feathers. You're not going to piss anyone off. And I th just think as you get older, for one, I think you can navigate that better. You can maybe like maybe present it in a better way uh, to get to where you really want to go. Or I feel like the last few years, I've kind of not just not cared as much and not even in a, in a reckless way, but in just thinking like, does somebody want to, is someone going to read this article and be like, well, I, the last 10 articles I read was this, were the same questions or the same angle. Um, so if I want to stand out and if I want to do the subject justice, like I do have to get a little weird <laughs> and a little <laughs> out of the box. Um, and I also feel like from my experience, I've never had someone like shut down an interview or be like, I don't want to talk about that. Um, maybe in like a respectful way, but no, nowhere where I didn't, nothing where I didn't get what I wanted, I think out of it. So I think that the subjects, the bands that we're talking about, they, you know, they get tired of answering the same, the same two or three things. Like, when I worked at Substream, as I was the editing manager there for a little bit, and I had about 25, 30 writers at any time, and I would always say, like, if you can, if you Google this question that you're wanting to ask and you can find it in another article, like, if you find it within the next five, ten articles that come up on Google, like, 
you're not allowed to ask it. Like, don't, don't ask, don't ask what the recording process was like. Uh, don't, don't ask questions that could be asked to any band in the entire universe. Like get specific, show that you did research, show that you watched other interviews with them. Before I do any interview, I want to watch at least like 10 to 15 recent interviews with that band and then not ask any of those things or piggyback off something that maybe didn't go deep enough on. So I, I hope that it's getting better. I hope that it's getting to the point where people feel confident to ask the tougher things without getting, without, without assuming that they're just going to like storm out of an interview or something. There's, there's deeper stuff people want to go into. And I've, I, anytime I've been thanked by a band for like, Oh, thanks for bringing that up because we like to talk about that, but no one really ever asked. That's like the highest compliment, which I'm, I'm sure you guys get a lot. Cause clearly you guys, you guys do good <laughs> research too. I hope, I hope people are thinking it. We've had a couple people say yeah. it, but I'm like, I hope everyone's thinking it. <laughs> I hope everybody I thinks it. I, I mean, I will say that advice is really big. Like that's stuff they have told me throughout my like, how long have I been in school? Seven, seven, eight years in like journalism mm -hmm. school is like you have to dig deeper. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm just always like, I don't want to be an antagonizer, but it's, right. you know, you always, you just want to know more because the biggest joke is like, you know, you go into an interview and you say, how did you get your band name or how did you get whatever name or like, how did this come together? You know, everyone's just like, these are such basic, open ended, easy, bullshit questions. Right. And then when you try to also like I had like commented or something about it, there was some band. I don't remember what band it was. And they were saying it. And I was like, this is pretty common for like younger kids in like journalism school or just learning how to do interviews in general. And I'm like, if you as a band are going to be so vehemently like mad about it though and yeah. then like also because it, it seemed like they were kind of rep like you know apprehensive about certain things to be asked i'm like mm -hmm. you, you don't you can't really give that much critique or criticism yeah you have to be opened up to it now that's to say somebody can walk in and ask something that's just like way too invasive obviously there's boundaries but yeah. i i think that it's just become there's so much like I just want to like please these other people and make them like me rather than just tell the story because I right. feel that at least for music journalism and music writing, it has become such a big, like I'm here and now like I'm a part of this weird, like influencer celebrity networking thing <laughs> that like didn't really mm -hmm. exist before. Like I've worked in a like, traditional newsroom and I've been like, Oh yeah, there's this like, no one I work with give the shit that I've interviewed like whatever band they're like right. I don't know who the fuck that is and I'm <laughs> yeah. like cool right um I think it's just like that it's like oh no I can do this and I can report it down the line or ask these mm -hmm. hard questions I just think that there's just something there I don't it's just such a weird disconnect in what I'm seeing yeah. nowadays yeah and I, I hope that continues to change like I, I have had experiences where as I was being led you know to the green room by a tour manager saying hey just so you know don't ask about this don't talk about his ex-wife uh don't ask why this member left and it's not even like i want to be a jerk and just be like yeah now i'm gonna ask those questions but just for one like on the way to the interview like he could be tearing apart everything that i've written i've spent you know that week writing about um and not to say that they owe us everything and they need to talk about everything, but I, I've also said, you know, before the interview started, hey, are you cool talking about, you know, this member that left or that you just got out of rehab? Is that cool? And I don't think I've ever had anyone say no. I, I think that a lot of bands, especially bigger bands, are pretty handled by their managers and their publicists without them knowing. And managers and publicists might tell you beforehand, like, yeah, hey, maybe don't bring this or that up. And then it comes up naturally and they're an open book about it. So 
it's, I don't know, I, I go back and forth on it. I, I think I told this story in the book, but I was interviewing um, uh, Serge from, so he was doing a solo show, but Serge, the singer from System of a Down. Mm. And he, he had a solo record out. And I was like, already, of course, super intimidated by this guy. Like, has been around the block forever. He's like an ambassador to like the UN, like just someone that's like, I know insanely way smarter than me. Mm. Um, and so we did our interview. He was super kind, super polite. And I was like, hey, like after the interview, I was like, hey, I recently saw that you, he had done something. He's like a big advocate for the government to basically recognize an Armenian genocide from mm. years and yes. years back. Yeah. And so I like kind of stumbled through like, hey, I just saw you do this thing. Hey, that's really cool. Um, and just trying to like, you know, not that you can chit chat about genocide, but I said something like that to him. Like, that's that's pretty amazing. And he goes, well, you know, like the background to that, right? And I was like, uh, you know, like a little bit just from like researching you, but like not a ton. And I'm like packing my stuff up. And um, he's like, well, I can tell you about it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to take up any more of your time. And he's like, no, sit down. This is important. <laughs> and I was oh, like, yes, wow. sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, I will. And then like 20 minutes of him, like giving me this, this amazing history lesson mm. on that. And so, um, yeah. And not that that would have made great fodder for, you know, a, a thousand word article or something but i just think i think if you don't push for that stuff you're you're just never going to find out and and sometimes there's a disconnect between them and the publicists and they're like no i can talk about that that's fine or you know oh i could have done this interview at this time i don't know why you thought that so i don't think you should ever circumvent the system and go around a publicist or a manager or whatever contact but there's been so many times yeah where i've just found out they're like oh no i never said that I'll, I'll do that interview with you or yeah, here's just, here's my number. Just call me next week and we'll do it. So I don't know. I don't know if I have a point with that. <laughs> this is about to get real confident real quick in a lot of our interviews. Oh I know. Just start <laughs> hey, going I went up, I went up at Rythos to Frank Iroh's manager and I said five minutes, sir. And he said, no, no you are, <laughs> probably like, no, you're a child. Probably not like that. But I was definitely like, I was like 20 and terrified as shit. It's like, please. And he was like, no. And I, I harassed this man for 15 minutes. <laughs> and he said, no. And I said, you know what? I gave him my best. Goodbye. See, and I, I love that because every time I feel like anytime I hear a story about someone that's like, and I persisted and I persisted and I got it. I get so inspired and I think I'm going to do that next time, like in whatever realm I'm in. And it just never works. <laughs> the most you can do is just be nice about it. And if they say no, you can always, what I found is that you can always email them later, like after usually like a fest, because I've done Riot Fest press a few times and yeah. Warped Tour too. You can try to set something up outside of it and be like, hey, we tried to do this, but obviously, you know, it was too busy, whatever. And then you just yeah. be nice about it and then you can, you know, sector it off for later. So that has yeah. happened. Well, so and 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 I taught yeah. my radio kids to do that too, and it's worked for some of them. One of the girls actually did end up interviewing Frank Iero. So <laughs> you're you're super pissed at her. So <laughs> <laughs> no, like Warp Tour. The first few times I did Warp Tour, I was like, this is not. I hadn't done really a big festival for press, and for one, just coming up to the table and being like, so I can just sign up for whoever I want. Like I'm just signing my name on every big name there is, outside of like whoever I'd already arranged with. And then you learn, like, you're not, that doesn't mean you're going to get them. They might not even show up. Who knows? But at the same time, I remember at one year just having, like, I was doing interviews for Heart Support, and I just had this, like, assembly line of bands coming through because nobody, there wasn't a lot of press. And having to be like, hang on, Hawthorne Heights. I got to talk to Scary Kids. All right, Scary Kids, <laughs> let's keep talking about this. Because JT's, like, just all of a sudden being like, I'm just ordering around 
my like heroes here and being like, yeah, you'll get your turn. <laughs> just, just to like make it still work. Yeah. And then having to be like, sorry, Goldfinger, I gotta, can you wait like 30 minutes? Come back. <laughs> but also awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jameson, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for hanging out with us on the pod. Uh, everybody who's listening, please go check out the book, Name Dropping When It Drops. Uh, can you give the date again, just so we have it? Yeah, July 16th. It'll be July 16th. So go pick up the book. Uh, check out Name Dropping Pod on Instagram to to get a little nostalgia kick every week. And uh, yeah, thanks again for hanging out with us on the pod. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. Yeah, of course. Thank you for checking out this episode of the Emo Social Club podcast. If you liked it, remember to share it. Remember to tell somebody. Remember to pick up Jameson's book, Name Dropping. That's all part of the plan here. Yeah, make sure that you're sharing it on Instagram. Like, you know, you on your Spotify and hit share and you say how. Share a link through Instagram and then you say, hey, guys, listen to these these fucking weirdos talk about stuff. These cool kids. They're my awesome, buddies through the awesome Internet. Buds. The coolest friends. Uh, we stream these episodes sometimes. This one was not streamed, but we stream these sometimes over on Emo Social Club tv you can check it out there if you want to find out when we go live make sure you follow we will return next monday with another episode this is a special thursday pod so you know not going to be next thursday it's going to be next monday uh so you'll see us then from all of us here at the emo social club i'm brian and i'm lizzie goodbye i know it's 10 o'clock at night but i kind of want to take a nap that's called a sleep. It's called a go to bed. It's called a good night. I have things to do at midnight. That's insane, but also <laughs> fine. Whatever. Cool. So make sure to check those out on our YouTube channel. Thank you to Sarah Hot Sauce for all the hot sauce. You gotta stop.